2: I promised y'all that Keith Smith would be back. He promised me, which is probably more important because you know he's the one actually doing us the favor by coming on the show. Uh, Because we ran out of time last time. We uh, went over an hour. I think we went like an hour 15 discussing the upcoming CBA negotiations and whether we think uh, these proposals are are good or bad. Keith gave us some great intel about what the players are looking to try to do, what some of their key issues are. There hasn't been as much reporting on that. He talks to as many agents as maybe anybody does uh, on a day-to-day basis uh, with his work for uh, Sportrack. But uh, Keith, let's get back to it here. I encourage you all to listen to the previous episode to set the stage for this. But this will work on its own, too, because we've got a lot more to discuss here. We didn't get into really any of the ownership issues. Other than uh, the main one, some of the main ones uh, about the luxury tax and right-sizing the tax and potential hard cap, which comes up every year, what else on the ownership side do you think we need to hit on here?
3: Yeah, I, I think smoothing is obviously a big one, and I think that that is going to happen to some some extent. I I think we we touched on it briefly and danced around it a little bit in the previous conversation, but I, I think the main thing here is. Nobody wants to repeat a 2016 where a whole bunch of guys get paid that probably shouldn't. And then we... You know, I think everybody is in a better spot as far as trusting each other now on both sides of the the, the table versus previous. It felt like the owners were trying to put one over on the players. Uh, I think the big discussion is going to be how how do you do that? Like, mm. like, how do we build that in to make sure uh, the players are made whole in the end? But my guess is that that it is something that gets worked out uh, so at some point. You know, I my my thought would probably be you just push the extra into year two, and then you keep pushing it out until until everybody's caught up and you feel like you're even to what the BRI calculation is. Well,
2: let's give a a little bit of background first on just what smoothing is, how it works, uh, how the cap is set, because that's probably something that a, a lot of people may not understand. It's been a while since 2016 now where we went through these issues. So, what is the current system that would potentially need to be modified?
3: Yeah, effectively, the easiest way to explain this without putting people to sleep is it's the players are going to get between 49 and 51 percent of basketball related income um so i I always just say they get half of it right they get half of it the the ownership gets half of it and off we go um so what happens is if you just let the formula set it if when we get this new tv deal the cap set set it meaning the
2: cap right like the the formula based on the amount of money that's supposed to be in the system, including the national TV deal, which, uh, of course, is going to rise, everyone thinks, quite a bit for the 25-26 season. That money basically gets dumped into the system. And was it 44.74% of projected BRI is what the cap is set up?
3: Exactly. So what happens is they set the cap. And what happened in 2016 was the formula made the cap jump massively from one year to to the next. Um, I can check if anybody's interested. Real GM has a really cool tab called Salary Cap History under their GM Laboratory, and it tells you every year, all the way back to 1984, 85, what the um, cap was.
2: It, it is um, seared in my brain. 2015 <laughs> was 70 yep. million. Yep. And then it went up to 94 million the year afterwards. Yep. And that was yep. uh, that led <laughs> right to, I think, <laughs> 26 of the league's 30 teams uh, were under the cap and used cap space that season.
3: Yep. And that led to guys like Luol Dang and Timofey Moskov getting massive contracts at midnight on day one of uh, free, free agency, basically, or an hour or so into it, I guess it was, uh, for one of the two guys. And so but what happened was, what, what, What wasn't great was everybody then was, all right, cool, but wait, all that money went to guys who were free agent that year. So that that extra money, as you said, 26 of 30 teams were under the cap. So all that extra money got pumped into that year's free agents. So instead of the cap rising by, let's say, instead of 24 million, let's say it went up 16 million even that would have been better in a lot of respects if they took that then 8 million it should have gone up and put that on to the next year so so what happened in the next year um it went from 94 to 99 million which is a more reasonable, about 5 million or so um, jump, which is kind of sort of what we see in a lot of years. Well, what they could have done was said, all right, we're going to cap it at a jump of 16 million. Then we're going to say, all right, we'll take that extra 8 million. We'll put it on the next year. And then the next year, instead of five, would we'll have went up to 13. In this case, if it ends up being what everybody's saying it may be, we could be looking at a jump from, of you know 30 million, In from one year to the next in the cap again. And that's going to lead to some imbalances. Because again, if we don't smooth, players are going to get it all in that one year. So that's where the smoothing comes in. I think the tricky part is how do we balance what happens with the actual? What do we set the cap at? Meaning the max the cap can be for a given year. And then we go. There's a little bit of precedent because they did that coming out of the pandemic years where they said it'll go up by a minimum of X and a maximum of Y. Um and will or somewhere in between, if that's where where the real uh numbers land at. So I think we've got kind of a working model that they can work of, off of. And I think that will happen ultimately, that they'll say, let's smooth this out, balance it for everybody. So it's not one, one, one uh free agent class gets paid while everybody else is like, man, I should have opted out or signed a shorter deal a couple years back or something like that.
2: Yeah, and just to go through the history one more time, like why this is necessary. You mentioned that it went from ninety four to ninety nine the last year. Initially, the league's projections were it was going to go to ninety four from seventy, and then the next year it would be one hundred eight. And mm-hmm. the reason it ended up only being ninety nine was because that one hundred eight, there is a mechanism by which if you don't spend enough money the previous year to get up to the forty nine to fifty one percent band, and given how high the revenues would be, it'll probably be fifty one percent. Then the cap. Goes up basically by a commensurate amount to encourage more spending to make up for what was not spent the previous year. It's supposed to, the, where they want the cap and the tax to be, they want the spending to kind of naturally fall into that 49 to 51% band. So you don't get this issue where either the owners are getting too much, the players are getting too much, and then you just have these straight up payments being made. They would rather that. Just those payments occur over the course of teams giving guys contracts that they think they deserve as opposed to either side having to write the other a check essentially they want that the normal course of business to just get you there naturally but what ended up happening was so much money was spent in 2016 that then it wasn't necessary to bump the mm-hmm. cap up by more the previous year and all these teams had projected okay well we'll we'll spend uh up to the cap this year and then but we're still gonna have even more money next year 108 like it's gonna be impossible to go out a bad contract oh whoops no actually it's 99 and then it doesn't really go up at all what was it and if you have this page for it was it in uh 2018 it, it like, went, it went from up about nine- two million, right? It was yeah, like, like yep, yep,
3: Oh yeah. About two and a half million. Actually.
2: Yeah. So you had 2018 was ended up being like 101 when everyone thought 2017 would be 108. And so mm-hmm. now you had all these teams in the tax in 2018. And by then, everyone's taken a one-year deal. 2018 is one of the worst free agent markets that we've ever seen two years after this huge bonanza. And so you had a, a bunch of guys getting screwed over. So that's why you need to have this smoothing. I want to ask you a question, by the way. You might know this, uh, but apologies if you don't. What happened with the Thunder last year? How is that money distributed? Did, did the Players Association, because they're the ones who'd make the decision on how... Because the Thunder didn't meet the minimum team salary, right? So they they basically just have to cut a check to all the players in their team. Was it proportional to their salary, or did everyone just get the same amount uh, of you know splitting up whatever that was that twenty four million dollars shortfall that the Thunder had last year?
3: Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what the actual was on it. I know the process is is essentially hey, we're gonna sit down and we're we're gonna talk through um where where we can go um when there's a shortfall, it's a negotiation. Um, there was was well one year it was split evenly uh, I want to say it because it was so minor I, I think it was the year Denver missed the floor um I, I was told that money was split evenly uh, amongst everyone who had been on the roster because that was like I think it ended up being like thirty thousand every player got because they barely missed the floor if I remember right um well one year um it, 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 I think it was Denver this was a while back um but yeah all I know is it's a negotiation there's no set um this is how you do it there's no hey, the player x makes you know 10 percent of the cap so they get 10 percent of the shortfall or anything like that I I don't think there's anything like that I, I think it is is, um you know just uh you know negotiated how they want to split it but I had not heard how, how it actually got done. Yeah that
2: that's very interesting and you would think uh that that that's something that would be spelled out a little bit more the fact that this
3: was, <laughs> you would think decided. right I,
2: I mean I think it seems like in the negotiations there there was maybe a some <laughs> some uh disagreement about that or something and so everyone's just like hey you know what players association you can just decide <laughs> because yeah. we don't want to we don't want to deal with this like it's your money you yeah. guys just, just Decided. I mean, I guess it's like really the team in question there, OKC, probably just didn't want to have responsibility for making that determination. Uh, and I think they also, there might be a feeling that then teams would manipulate it more. To then say, oh, mm-hmm. well, hey, there's a shortfall. Well, Shade Ju kill just Alexander. We're gonna give you all of this shortfall. <laughs> right. Instead <laughs> yeah, of right. <laughs> instead of, like uh you know distributing it to everyone. So it's like, hey, let's just make the players' association do it. That limits the the potential for abuse there. So yeah, the smoothing, I think, uh I think that, uh, for the smoothing, having a specific number that it's going to be to help teams with the planning. So you don't run into this 17 or 18 thing, or, or at least again, mm-hmm. maybe you come up with this idea of like, all right, it has to be within a certain range, the way it has been in the pandemic, which you alluded to, uh, obviously the raise increases to be a lot higher than what was it between three and 10% for the, yeah. Three
3: pandemic. and 12, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: Okay. So, yep. uh, but you might say, Hey, like it's going to be in this band every year, until we get to, you know, let's say maybe a, over a three or four year period. Because they'll know what the national TV deal is mm-hmm. that year. like. That will be prescribed. That gets baked in, and the, and we don't have to. That way, you avoid this idea of like, okay, it's gone over this year, uh, so now like the cap is going up less than you thought, or we didn't spend enough this year, so now it's going to go up more. Because I mm-hmm. think it's really just the planning aspect where, for players, and also uh, who, who are going to be a free agent a certain year, but even more so for teams where there's an issue. Um, so that's that's hopefully where they will get. To, I think whatever this, the solution is, I think it needs to be one where everyone can know it's going to be within a pretty near, narrow band over a three- or four-year period.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think, too, to your point, which you laid out really well, was you had a form of almost reverse smoothing happen anyway because of the overpayment in that that, that first year. And then that was almost uh, extra punishment on those other team, on those other free agents because the cap didn't go up to where they thought it was going to be. So it just ended up very messy. So, yeah, I think if you can lock this in, uh, when you can lock it in, get get it done, everybody can plan, be more mindful as they build things out, and go from there. I think that is a much uh, smarter and better way to handle it.
2: Let's talk about the age limit now, and That's been a pretty hilarious one. That was something the owners really wanted back in 2006 when it came in. We had that year in 2006 where that draft wasn't that good. You had guys like KD and Greg Oden would have been in the draft then, Mike Conley. Instead, they got pushed till 2007. Regardless, the the league wanted it. They got it in the 2006 CBA. Adam Silver, basically since I think 2018, has been saying, well, we think we want to go back to high schoolers. (laughs) being draft eligible again, and the players are like, I mean, I guess we kind of want that, but uh, okay, let's just do it then. And the league's like, no, how about you give us something? Like, well, we don't really want that (laughs) that much to (laughs) actually give you something. And, And what the league has been pushing for is this... Uh, situation that agents are not happy about where the players medicals and some form of combine participation will be mandatory shared with all 30 teams so that player uh, agents can't steer their players away from say the Sacramento kings or away from somewhere that already has a good player at the position whatever it is what are your thoughts uh, on that whole saga right now
3: yeah I think it's it's it is funny because it feels like the league has done a complete 180 while the players association almost feels like a little bit like all right cool like my kids in a year early fine with us but why should we give you anything for something you want um you know you then you're going to also add on to it as you kind of referenced so I think it's 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 one of those ones where it's funny. I hear a lot of people say, well, but what about college basketball? And the funny thing is the NBA doesn't care. They don't care if they, you know, kind of even, you know, to some extent destroy college basketball because it's not in their best interest. They'd rather have these kids on NBA rosters. Uh, in NBA programs developing there. I mean, there's a belief within the NBA. Best way to develop is to be in or around the NBA. And I I completely
2: agree. The only research I've seen on that, Kevin Pelton did a few years ago that supported that. And I think you haven't seen guys like, oh, you don't want to be in the NBA and not playing. It's like, well, we have the G League, number one. And number Mm -hmm. two, even when you look back at the previous high school era, all the best players came out of high school. Kobe and KG and Tracy McGrady. Even Jermaine O'Neal was on ice for four years in Portland and then was an all-star in Indy. So, yeah. Yeah. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2019. here on the program. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us.
3: I think one thing I have heard from the Players Association side where they, they get a little bit of heartburn is every 18-year-old you bring into the league that may be a Jermaine O'Neal that's just kind of taking up a roster spot, that's one less roster spot for a veteran player that, that could get one. Um, So there's been a, a kind of loosely thrown around is, well, what if we did something where if you came in straight out of high school or under a certain age – where there's mandatory G League time that you have to log. You're getting paid an NBA salary but you're not necessarily taking up an NBA roster spot, and maybe you you are you have to go play you know, in the G League. Now, in order for that to happen, one of the thought processes out there, and I'm stepping on a little bit of a thing that I think is going to come is some form of G League reform. Um, where one, you got to get to 30, right? Every team has to have their own G League team. Otherwise, yeah. a lot of these things break down. Now we know Adam Silver has openly said, "I want all 30 teams to have a G League team." It's only Portland and Phoenix right now that don't have. Portland has... Seemingly had no interest forever, but both of those teams are at least some level up for sale. We know for certain the Suns are, and the Blazers kind of sort of seem to be, maybe. I don't fully uh, know where that situation is at, but maybe that's a stipulation with new ownership. Hey, you have to establish a G League team. So I think we could see something change where it's, hey, if you come in, there's going to have, yes, you get paid your NBA salary, but there's going to have to be some level of G League time. That's attached to that, or something with that, where you're not taking up a roster spot on the NBA roster, but your rights are still owned and you're still getting paid. So, but that gets tricky because then, well, does that year count is towards the rookie scale? What does that look like? Or, you know, we're getting a year of service, you know, where is that all at? now that would all have to obviously be negotiated. But I think it's coming. I think there's just a lot of things they're going to have to talk about and figure out there.
2: Something that Danny and I have talked about a little bit, and I can elaborate on some here is. Is maybe something that you could do would be all right if you come in as an eighteen-year-old, then teams get an extra year of team control. You know, you yeah, get you get it's true. five years, uh, and then similarly, if you come in after age twenty-one, it's only three years. You know, it used to the original rookie scale contracts used to be three years, so mm-hmm. uh, I think that would be fair. Also, maybe even that if you're a guy who comes in wasn't drafted and you know, you. Or or you're a second-round pick or something, and you come to – if you, like, make your NBA debut at age – 25 or later then you're just not a restricted free agent yes i mean some of these like 28 year old like european guys who have one chance to get paid you know like joe ingles although he did get paid thankfully but uh like joe ingles getting stuck and not being able to do uh to be an unrestricted free agent at you know age 28 is absurd
3: yeah i completely agree yeah i'd like to see them fully tweak the restricted free agency rules. I, I do want to see the teams have some ability to, to retain guys, but yeah, in that case, it should not be a, you know, player came over. So yeah, I, I like that idea too of, you know, Hey, you get an extra. Cause Then I think the thing becomes if anybody wants to say, well, that's not fair to the player because then they're locked into a team. Then don't come straight out of high school, right? Go to college for a year, and you've eliminated that. You, you, you know. But you know, you want to make a little bit of money, yeah. The team's doing an investment in you, so I think there's work around so you can get there with it. I also like the idea of this would strengthen the G League as an actual product to become viable and worth monitoring because right now, to some extent, it's kind of like, all right, maybe I'm going to keep tabs on the two-way guys i know like the warriors right now right it's like all right well i'm gonna check in on santa cruz because james wiseman's gonna be there for the next you know whatever amount of time but in general i It's the G League is 90% of the roster are guys who have no attachment to the NBA team, you know, beyond maybe they went to training camp with them. So it starts to turn into, all right, well, I don't necessarily really care about these guys who, you know, when there's a 10 day coming, they're not going to come to to my team. They they may go ahead to another team. So I think that's a there, there's options there where you can work with that a little bit too. Maybe give the team, you know, hey, write a first refusal. Do you want to do something to keep this player around? And you got to match the deal or something. Something I think you could have that, but anything that makes the G League a little more viable as a real minor league instead of this kind of half measure they've taken, I think would be a good step for everybody.
2: Yeah, I guess. Uh- if it's James Wiseman, I, I can't watch him anymore. I, I, been, I've, <laughs> yeah. I've seen it, Even though he's been injured, like every time I watch him, I just like I I can't watch him make more mistakes. Like I just sure. <laughs> wake me up when he's back to the big team. But yeah, so in right. general, I, uh, I agree with your point. Yeah. So do you have any thoughts on, on predictions or just like how? Uh, how this might play out because it does still seem like there's And granted, we've had bigger fish to fry with the pandemic, but you know, it's been four years now, the age limit. They're hoping to resolve it well before this next CBA. And yet we're at kind of this really stupid impasse right now.
3: I, I think they're going to get it past where it's going to come in there. It's going to be moved back to 18. I think they're going to get, but in exchange for that, they're not going to get the medical information in exchange for that. They'll get that medical information at the draft time of draft in exchange for something else. They'll yeah. give somewhere else to get that. And the age limit thing will just be passed and we'll just be thrown in. I don't think that will be the trade-off there, but I do think both of those will happen. Cause I do know I know a lot on the a lot of people on the team side who are like, we have to have the medical information. This is getting out of control with you know this stuff. They're like, look, we can't make a guy work out for us. We can't even make Necessarily make someone meet with us, but we have to be able to see the medicals. Like that's the only fair way to, you know, keep it as long as we're in this current draft system. And that's, you know, I mean, you know, how many teams have probably told you talking to them, the number one thing that takes a guy off a draft board is an unclean medical, right? They'll, they'll put them right on their do not draft list if they have some reason to believe there's a medical issue, no matter you know what the talent is. Obviously, there's point of return, right? If it's the twenty eighth pick and the guy was projected to be the top five, you'd take them but you know they'll they'll, they'll move them way way down on a board because of that
2: no for sure and, and the league's negotiating position on this has been ridiculous like they they just want to get something for nothing and they just that <laughs> yeah that was kind of what it was uh with smoothing as well and so mm-hmm. i i think that the original smoothing so hopefully that does get done and hopefully they're willing to give something but we have seen sometimes when it gets down to brass tacks Okay, the system stuff. Yeah, like the league competitive balance, like the teams really want this just because like, you know, it'll make GM's life easier. Stuff that makes GM's life easier generally doesn't get a lot of priority put behind it. It's the stuff (laughs) that matters for like actual money. That's the stuff that that gets. And so will the league actually be willing to give something to get something that's just going to be like, hey, like, it'd be really nice to have this when we're scouting guys It's like, ah, we'll see. We'll see how much power Mm -hmm. in the end GM's have on that one uh we did we forgot to go back to our system that we did last time let's start with the smoothing uh one through ten with ten being great for the league one terrible smoothing what number would you give that
3: I'd say it's about an eight. I think it's really important to have some level uh, of it. you know I, I think it really is important. I, I think it's important for both both sides, but I think for the team side they're gonna they're, they, they need this um for if for nothing else like you mentioned the planning purposes like you, you want to be able to know all right, where are we going in our next four to five year kind of time window here?
2: Yeah, I would even put it at a nine. The only reason it's not a 10 is just because 2016 was such a crazy frenzy Mm -hmm. that that established a lot of attention for the league, which I think was good. But yeah, I mean, over a a four year period or whatever it is, clearly smoothing it, it has to get done. How about the age limit?
3: This one, I, I'll say it's probably in reality, I think it's closer to like a five. I, I I think it'd be great to have these kids developing in the league, but there's pathways to that now with G League Ignite. You know, if you, I mean, there's real ways to take those, the very best younger players and say, hey, kind of get to the Ignite and you're kind of then developing for everybody in an NBA like environment to some extent um, over time, the lead as they get more established it's similar types set up there. So I, I, I think, I, I it would be nice to have it set up. I just I, I just don't know that it's going to be a hill that they're going to die on. Especially if it becomes well, what are you going to give us for this? Because we're certainly not going to give you two or three things you'd like to have in exchange for nothing. I, I think that becomes a little bit tricky.
2: Before NAL, I would have said it was a nine personally because I do think guys develop better, and also just how unfair it was to not be able to make a living until, mm-hmm. or at least not be able to do it easily. Oh, on the player
3: like, side. I think it's huge. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, when I say good for the game, I'm trying to balance both the interest of the players and the owners and just say, hey, objectively, for the fans we doing what's right you know, where does this fall and now with NAL it's less important to me and there's a little bit of a downside in terms of maybe lowering the overall quality of play but it also doesn't lower the amount of interest right I would rather see rather you know instead of Udonis Haslam having a roster spot I would rather see some 18 year old all right let's throw him in there and see what he can do that's interesting at mm-hmm. least to me so I would have it as an eight now just because it's not the system isn't as unfair and in need of reform as it was before because now you can actually pay these guys with nil if they're going to college and you do have the g league ignite and all that um okay what are some of the other big issues that we still have to talk about here
3: yeah I think the other kind of one two, two that are floating out there are and i kind of tie them together in a way is almost one is, how do we get players to play more? And yep. what is some form of schedule reform going to look like? And within that, the in-season tournament. The in-season tournament is coming. We all, I think, know this now. That is definitely coming. They're going to tweak the schedule to some extent. One thing I wonder with the in-season tournament is, how do you get the players to care? Like, that's... like I you have to make the benefit enough that the players either care for directly for themselves or for their teammates. Like I've seen, let's put a big cash prize on it. And I've seen people throughout there. Well, why would LeBron James care about a you know $5 million bonus check when he already makes X and his real goal is to win a title? Well, LeBron's always been a guy who's about kind of lifting everybody. And right. if it was this year, a guy like Matt Ryan, a $5 million bonus check is massive because that dude's made, you know, like, a million dollars in his professional career. So those where I think you've got to make it important enough. But Making players want to play in the regular season, I mean, that's as much on the team side as it is on anything on the player side, because the teams are the ones, I think, in a lot of these cases that are driving those decisions. How many times have we've heard players say, like, I'm I'm good, I could play, but I get it. It's long-term and priorities, and we're trying to win a championship and all that. And as long as finals is, remains the goal, I don't know how you convince teams to say you got to put guys back on the floor more often. I, I, I don't have a good answer to that one. I'm, I'm really not sure how you make that happen
2: this in-season tournament first i love it uh, because anything where really good basketball players are going to be playing really hard that's what's so awesome about the playoffs if you can bring that into the regular season i will be watching with rapt attention and i agree with you that having a prize that's distributed evenly so in some ways you have a lebron or a kd or stuff playing for that guy who's at the end of the roster really make it a team thing i I think that would be really exciting and also a, a lot of these guys like they love playing high level basketball they love playing mm-hmm. against good teams and the regular season does drag on for them as well and so i think it, it would be great it's a sad commentary perhaps on the regular season having too many games that this is necessary to again yep juice interest i mean for me it's about guys playing hard for other markets you know a sacramento or something i mean if the kings get to the finals of this thing it, like they're probably leading the local news right there, there's mm-hmm. definitely something to that as well to for uh, you've got teams that are up and coming. Hey, if you want to really try for it, it's something to win. And it, it doesn't sound like it'll be too big of a disruption uh, with the format that Shams has put out there. Yeah, it, I mean, and I don't know, this whole let's have fewer games thing. I mean, maybe there'll be a few fewer games but not enough to really test whether the revenue could be made up uh, for missing the games. Danny, I've talked mm-hmm. about that ad nauseum. We probably don't need to get into it here of just why it would be better to just have two games a week. <laughs> and actually, Yeah,
3: I don't uh, have any care, different yeah. thoughts than than you yeah. guys have on it either. I, I will yeah. say too, with the in season term, because I've heard some people say like, as a fan why why do i care well over time you fans will care it'll become like hey remember when we won the silver cup or i don't know what the heck they're gonna call the thing but you know yeah. remember i, I mean know, when it's we just that, that it'll be cool.
2: hopefully good basketball like if the players mm-hmm. play hard everyone's gonna yep. like it like yeah. it's gonna it'll be all over social yep. media and it's not even necessarily about oh man like you know let, let's fucking raise a banner for this it's just this is something interesting like it, it'll be like really high level basketball on your tv you know that's yeah, that's I, what I, the appeal is to me
3: i I've got super into like the English premier league over the last couple of years and those in season cups. Now, granted, some of those have been around for a hundred years. So it is a big deal to, to win one, but, It'll get there eventually. You know, I'm yeah. not saying a hundred years from now that's when it'll matter, but you know, eventually people will will care about it and we'll be like yeah. Yeah, it's you know, low risk, cool.
2: right? Yeah, like, like yeah, it doesn't. Exactly. Yep. It's not like yeah. you're gonna be upending the entire league. Like, yep. give it a shot. Like, this is what a good yep. a good business does. You try some things like this, all right. Five years yep. from now, nobody cares. We'll just phase it up. You know, that's yeah, but that's, absolutely. Yeah, you know, you all right. Yes, I'm sorry, you can't guarantee this will be a success. <laughs> Sure. Fine. Like it, nothing, no good innovation is guaranteed to work.
3: But I, full disclosure, I didn't really like the idea of the playing tournament initially, and now I'm pretty on board with it. It's been fun yeah. in the first few years. I do wish there was a games back qualifier still in there like they had in the bubble. Cause I don't, I don't really like the idea of the 10th seed. If it's a year where the 10th seed is, you know, they're 10 games behind the nine seed. Like, all right, you, you, you don't even really want to be in this thing, but it just happened to be instead of finishing an 11th, you finished in 10th. So you're here now, but you know, it kind of is what it is with that. But, yeah, I I, I think it's that now I've, it's been fun. It's, it's really cool. It adds a lot of interest to that, you know, kind of first weekend of the postseason where it's like, all right, let's see, you know, or I guess first week because it's played during the week. But, you know, let's see where it goes. Yeah, I, I and I was not on board with it initially. So, yeah, try it. You know, if it doesn't work. But this in season tournament, you tweak it, you try something different, and you know keep keep doing something. To your point, the regular season simply too long, and there's a whole period of games where we're all kind of like is it playoff time yet? Like the newness is worn off of new rosters and teams. And then it's like, all right, give me to the playoffs already.
1: Well,
2: my, my view, just to be clear is I don't think the regular season is too long. I think the games are too frequent.
3: Uh, yeah, do you feel like fair. it's too long? Yes.
2: Just like in a purely temporal sense?
3: No, too, too long in terms of there's too many games. Okay. Like, okay. like too, yeah. too many games. And in, in, in the period of time we have, yeah, I don't, I don't have any desire to change the NBA calendar. We, we lived through that in the bubble and it was a mess. And, you know, I, (laughs) you know the the two years of recovery from that uh, i'm good let's just keep it the way it is calendar wise but yeah let's yeah if you can make it more interesting with moving games around i'm i'm good with that
2: so speaking of not wanting to be in the play-in tanking seems to be another thing that that is on the agenda here anything that either you've heard bandied about or that you think would be a good anti-tanking incentive or is it just not even that big of a problem you don't care
3: Personally, I don't think it's all that big of a problem. I I think this has existed for a lot longer than people pretend like it's a newer thing that teams do it. I think teams may be a little more overt about it now than it was in the past, but I go all the way back to... Tim Duncan, David Robinson was shut down and they've openly said like he could have returned from the back injury he had, but they are like, there's no point we're bad and it's better for us to lose a few more games. So, you know, just stay out. But I, I think it's one of those things where I get it. It's, I don't, I, I don't think it's, People think teams start out the year with, there's already 10 teams that are already trying to lose every single game, and it's just not true. I mean, the Thunder are sitting around 500 right now. Spurs have been playing pretty good basketball, and everybody's like, those are going to be two of the worst teams in the league. Teams are trying to win. And when I always repeat this repeatedly, players and coaches don't tank. Organizations do, right? That's an organizational uh,
2: thing. Yeah, it, every yeah. once in a while coaches will uh sure
3: yeah more towards the end of the year right when it's kind of like yeah uh,
2: Uh, well or uh, or i think even more going for playoffs like the daniel
3: oh yeah i'll always remember
2: that (laughs) but but as as a general rule i very much do
3: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I, I like and to players call those, never uh, do like coaches yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I like to call the playoff position. I call that seeding shenanigans, right? Where it's yeah, like yeah. I'm playing some games to get an opponent. But yeah, for draft position, and and the big thing is, so that also leads into players don't tank. So now where it would get weird is right. Everybody loves this whole idea of let's take all the non-playoff teams, put them in a tournament to play for the for the for picks, right? And based on where you finish in the tournament, is what pick you get. That sounds good until it's. Why am I playing really hard? Idea at all? No, I hate it too. Why am I playing really hard so the team can maybe draft my replacement? (laughs) Like you know, and I, you know, I'm out. Like you know, I don't necessarily think think you're going to get where you go. So,
0: ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from sling, the collide of football pads, the squeak of shoes on a basketball court, the crack of the bat on a home run.
2: And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code Capspace. Use the cap Capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that Capspace code to let them know that you came from us.
3: I kind of like the idea that's been thrown around and I know there's a couple people on the team side that are in favor of this. So, Hey, maybe there's a limit. You can only have X top two picks, top three picks, top one pick maybe in so many years. So like you can't bottom out five years in a row and land top three picks five straight years. So you know, maybe it's only two out of every three years or something in that range that you can do that. And then you're, you know, even if you win the lottery, you're, you're, Fourth, no matter what. Like, you can't be in there. That I don't hate that idea, but I also don't know that. What problem we're we really fixing? What teams are truly bottoming out for you know five years in a row? It just it doesn't happen. Even in Philadelphia, it didn't happen because, yeah, people will say the league lost patience with it, but I think a lot of people lost patience with it there. So I, I just don't know that it's a problem that really needs fixing. I think you're almost looking for a problem to find a solution to that maybe doesn't exist.
2: I agree with everything you're saying. And to elaborate on your point, obviously Philly was the big impetus for all this for changing the lottery odds which I think has generally been a good thing uh, since then now the only big issue that I have as of now is shutting down of players to where so many of these games are totally unwatchable. I guess mm-hmm. it, if there were fewer games, then it would be uh, harder to do this uh, to just like forget about the games in March and April. But yeah, there are games that are, you know, OKC, hey, we're going to sign uh, what's the what's hookshot guy that was with the Magic and Summer League.
3: Oh, Robin Lopez. Oh, oh, um, yeah. guard, Xavier about. Simpson. Yeah, uh, Xavier Simpson, yes.
2: Yeah, like we're going to sign that guy and play him 43 minutes a game. Yeah. the last five games <laughs> yeah. of the season, like that type of stuff, like that. That I think that I don't particularly care for. Um, no. you know, there's there's Completely. not necessarily a great way around that. Um, but the straight on organizational tanking this season, when you still have Wembenyana, who's maybe the most generational prospect we're gonna see in our lifetimes. I wouldn't say that any teams are starting the season with just an unacceptably bad unwatchable mm-hmm. roster, right? I mean, yep. they don't. I mean, the Lakers have been bad. Obviously they've got LeBron James on their team and you know, the Pistons have been bad, but they, yeah, you know, they got Kate Cunningham. They just drafted JD I'd yep. like, if you're a Pistons fan, like you have a reason to watch, right? The, mm-hmm. the Sixers are a historical outlier, not just for Tang, but because they drafted these guys who were injured. And then the big tipping point for them to me was trading away. Michael Carter Williams, who had just, mm-hmm. (laughs) one rookie of the year. And so there was a feeling that at the very beginning of the year, the product they were putting out there was unwatchable. I think in the last month and a half of the season, teams are putting out products that are unwatchable intentionally, but nobody is, the incentives are aligned enough now where there's no reason to just be like, all right, we got to only win 15 games. I think if you really were concerned about that, you could put in something. I don't really see a lot of downside of this, where if you lose below like some number of games, that would just be absurd. Like let's say, let's say you lose six, 67 games which would be 15 and 67 you're ineligible for the number one pick so that at least would make gms be like all right we gotta put somewhat of a real sign some real guys (laughs) we're not gonna just be a Total embarrassment all season, um, but I don't know what to do about shutting guys down at the end of the season. You can't do anything about like saying, hey, these guys aren't injured. You have to play them like that. It'll just never work. You can't take yeah. that decision out of team's hands. So there's always going to be plausible deniability on an injury. So there has to be some sort of a macro instead of like, all right, if you lose X number of your final games. Or something like that then you're ineligible for the number one pick you know and it's a very mild incentive like that to where it's like okay let's actually we gotta actually play these guys a little bit but i i don't that's the only issue that remains to me is that last month or so of the season rather than season long i totally agree with you um okay let's oh, oh yeah we didn't do in-season tournament i actually really like it a lot i would go with an eight for in-season tournament
3: yeah i'm with you a- eight or nine for for cool. me I, cool yeah.
2: and then you know the tanking reform yeah i mean i just i haven't heard a great solution on it so i'd probably go with like a three on that
3: yeah that's what i'm like a two or a three i just don't yeah. I, I don't i don't think it's the issue people want it to be
2: yeah and even when you've got like that's what losing teams do who don't have a chance, even when there is no draft stuff, right? Like people in NLB mm-hmm. for years, people didn't like get that having a high draft pick was good. Basically, it's yeah. like, uh, but e- even back then you would see teams shut guys down. They'd go to the 40 man roster in September. I mean, it just makes mm-hmm. sense when you can't win to just have an evaluation period for some players at least. Yep. Okay. What else we got here?
3: All right. Well, can I, can I throw you a couple ideas at you? That, that, Absolutely. How that much I time have? do you
2: have, by the way? Remember at the start again, I was like, Hey, you know, maybe we won't take <laughs> as
3: long this time. Go, I'm go, good. I've got, I've now. got a little bit of time still.
2: Okay. Okay. Well you, you, you let me know if you, if, if you got to go, but yeah, I'm desperate to hear your ideas.
3: All right. Well, let me, let me throw throw this one. This is, um, one, and I know you had on the the, the list to talk about was tampering and what can mm. be done about it. I think the easiest fix for this is let pending free agents, as soon as their season is over, start talking to teams. I I have no issue with that. I know some people say, but then I'm a free agent on a playoff team and, you know, is the money already going to be gone? Well, nobody can actually sign anything, but just let people start talking and getting a sense of, you know, if, if 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 my my season is over and your season is over, there's no reason I shouldn't be able to talk to you. If you're under contract long-term, no, you're off limits. You're still under contract unless permission was given. But if you're a pending free agent and it's just a matter of days or weeks or maybe a couple of months, before I can talk to you anyway, who cares? You can't, you know, like, like the, the Kyle Lowry sign-and-trade situation, Lonzo Ball sign-and-trade, like, was that really tampering? Like, I mean, I guess it is under the rules today, but who did that hurt? You know, who who got punished by this? I that, that just all seems a little silly to me.
2: You know, I've thought about this a lot. I actually like the idea, what you said about, oh, well, some players' seasons aren't over yet. Like, could they miss out on the money? I actually think that's a feature and not a bug because teams if you start talking to some guys on non-playoff teams at the end of the year then nobody's going to want to actually commit to anything because you know what if something happens during the playoffs yeah. what if like you know, a team flames out and someone becomes available right like t- there's still too much uncertainty to like hard agree right at the end of the regular season right e- even in these years where it hasn't been enforced that much you don't really have it until maybe beginning of june mid-june mm-hmm. there's also the draft as well that can change things So yeah. um, um, you know, you don't even, it's all, all the other big thing is it's before the lottery, too. I mean, I think like the combine is when this stuff starts to he- really heat up. Absolutely. Everyone's there, you know, yep. so I actually don't think there's that much downside. The only concern I would have is there's always going to be people skipping the line. So, OK, if the line is now the end of this guy's season, are they going to be talking about it more? But then you've got like, I don't think there's a concern that like, oh, this guy's on a playoff team. He's going to not play hard because he's like, you know, did Kevin Durant not play hard for OKC against Golden State? Like, no. I don't think so. Even though there's a feeling he might go there. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, Yeah, I I think that's probably a good line to me is your season is over. And because I'm not worried. Yeah, I completely agree. Hey, if this guy's season is still going on, he's still on a good team. Like, yeah, let's let's take a really draconian approach there. But once the season is over, you know, who cares? Right. Like, that's that's a good thought. And I think you're you won't get in a situation where agreements are being essentially made. And of course, you know, we're not going to announce anything until July 1st. You can still say, hey, you can't come to an official agreement. Mm hmm. There will be teams coming to an agreement, but... Sure. It, you know, as long as it's not getting reported until uh, at June 30th at uh 6 p.m. Eastern, I think that's fine. So, yeah, I, I, I love that system. Uh, and as we talk through it here, this is why it's so useful for me. I, I my concerns about it are eliminated even more just due to the uncertainty of teams being like, Hey, all right, let's we got a pretty good framework here, but I, ah, you know, we got to see what happens with this guy, you know. So, that, that kind of talk is fine, knowing that hey, we have the exact parameters done in April. Like, that's a little concerning to me, but that's I think that'll be a rare case if it does that.
3: Yeah, I completely agree on that. And I also think too, it can even benefit you from having the idea of like, all right, well, let's say I'm playing by the rules and I don't start talking to anybody till even let's just be realistic and say late June. Um, I I am then it's like, oh wow, I could have got player X for less than 10 million less than what I thought, you know, overall money or you know, five million less per season. Well, now we had it planned this way, so we weren't talking to player Y, because we didn't have money for him too but now all right well now if i know in advance hey this is kind of where we're at all right i can now maybe talk to player y too and i think you just it allows teams to be built smarter and it allows players to have a better sense of what's really out there for me um and you just eliminate all the, the silly nonsense of like well you talk to him five minutes early because i mean we're all grown-ups here no no complex sign and trade transaction is negotiated in 15 seconds right and i think the league is like hey if we're gonna say six on june 30th can't have this like the one you know team i cover the celtics the kemba walker deal was out there days i, I want I to say it was like, like june 26th days. that was yeah. basically reported yeah. yeah and it was like what are we doing here right if, if we already know this is what's going on you know where we're at with that one but that you know as far as fixing the tampering one i don't think it's again the Massive problem. Some make it out to be because all the teams do it. You can't. You talk to anybody and like part of the reason we don't complain unless it's super overt, like with the Kings box situation, which was a restricted free agent in a sign and trade that involved you know multiple players. (laughs) Like obviously that was like what are you doing? But if you really want to fix this one, stop leaking stuff to reporters. Yo, so early, (laughs) you know. And we all know why it's done the way it's done. But like that you. You could fix that yourself without there having to be a rule on it.
2: Well, it is interesting because if you think about it, these deals aren't actually done like inked in writing. It's available in the league portal until July 6th at the earliest mm-hmm. after the moratorium. The yep. So if it weren't for these reports like players need to, or uh, teams need to know that some player is off the market. Right. Like like it really does serve an essential function. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah, The days in advance stuff is where it gets a little like, all right, if you, you know, if you really want to, I mean, yeah, let's make sure we're all, (laughs) you know, <laughs> let's have this conversation at, you know, uh, what, 6- 6.05. You can put the tweet out there that we're, you know, in agreement on the parameters or whatever. Just it doesn't need to come out at, you know, 12 noon on, you know, the 28th or whatever. But, yeah. Um. Any other kind of big picture type of
2: things, like even just off the wall ideas that, that you have had for these CBA? <laughs> I have one I kind of up? love.
3: I think would be super simple to to put in and I really think would be very helpful. I would like to see them do, I, I don't have a better name for it, so I call it the reverse max for a 10 plus years of service player where... As long as you have enough cap space or bird rights to sign them to a max deal, starting at whatever the max is, $40 million in year one, which then extends out to you know $200 million total deal, you can reverse the cap hits. So the bigger cap hits come on the earlier years. So when a player is 32 years old and you want to give them a five-year max deal, the each year's cap hit goes down by the 8%. Yeah. So it's the same total money. It just... Now when that player is 37 years old and it's kind of like, uh, well, we we're paying you because we we had to give you the five year max to keep you, but I'd really rather not be paying you, you know, fifty million dollars in your final year. I paid you the 50 million in the first year when, yeah, you maybe you were worth 50 million. Now I'm paying you 40 in you know the last year of the deal. I, I just think that would be something that would really help. I think it helps player movement and it obviously helps teams manage their their books a little bit better because you're 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 aligning the salary a little bit more to the towards the skill set in that case
2: yeah and there's a, i agree with the spirit of that, you know, maybe there would be a different way to do it, but also allowing guys who've been on the, a team to stick around for longer as well, mm-hmm. I think is, is a really good thing. And it also just a way for teams to not get just totally screwed by some of these contracts that you still have to give at that point in time. So yeah, that's, I, I think any, anything along those lines where you give just a little bit more flexibility in those specific cases uh, anything that's aligning pay more with performance, I'm generally in favor of. Um, yeah. So the changing the tampering, I would say, you know, like I I liked your idea. I proposed something pretty similar. Uh, you know, that's probably an eight to me. I mean, I guess there might be some unintended consequences with it going even further into the regular season, but I think you know, carrot and stick. Right, like you you really crack down at that point, mm-hmm. and you even make the standard of proof really low. Yeah. To uh, yeah, I'd
3: be at, eight at, nine. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah, and, and then you know, like your idea. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Even not the specifics, we'd probably need a bunch of time to even hash that out. But, (laughs) but like, I think just generally at the end of guys' careers, letting them stick around longer, aligning the pay with performance, having a mechanism to do that. You know, I'm generally very in favor of that. So, you know, that's like a a seven or so for me as well. Any other ones here?
3: The last one that jumps to, to mind for me, and I think of this more, I it was really only because I was doing a lot of work around disabled player exceptions. I think there should be some mechanism where I don't like the hardship rule the way it works today of you have to have at least four players out for three games before you can even ask the league for an additional roster spot. I would be in favor of kind of the old way the NFL rule was where if you're placed on IR, your season is over. And then allow that team to have an extra roster spot that I don't see where there's any downside to that. Um, unless you really think teams are going to start playing games with putting guys on our, but then you just cap it and so you can have no more than two guys on IR, or whatever the case is. And if you need more roster spots, then then you got to figure it out. But I just think right now, when a player is out for the season, it's so restrictive for a team to continue to just carry them. Like I look at the warriors had to carry clay Thompson, for two full years yeah. eating up a roster spot that. One could have gone to either a helpful player or a young player, you know, and maybe you do it where you know, all right, the IR roster spot that's opened up can only be filled by a G League call up or something. Yeah. I don't or, know, or it's just okay. you can
2: you can only use it on a minimum, or a minimum contract. Like that.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I also think too. I do think if you did this as well, I would also like to see the added benefit of um, which would have to be some work done around it of uh, if you're filling an IR spot even if you're hard capped you can still fill that spot um because i don't love the idea of like there was a real thought. I remember it was a few years ago. The Clippers had a bunch of injuries, were hard capped, and it's like they may need to, you know, really play some some games here to just put a fun, functional roster on the floor. And what, what happens then? Like, like what, what where do we get to? We're gonna have you know five guys can play. And we're gonna have three guys sitting in warm ups on the bench that you know, but also with a walking boot on. Like, you know, what what, what would ever happen if we hit that kind of disaster phase? So I, I think there's work to be done around that. You know, too, that obviously that's, you know, hours of hashing all that out. But I just think, you know, allow a team to replace a guy who's truly out for the season beyond because the disabled player exception. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I think it also should
2: be like, the guy suffered the injury while he was on your team, right? Like you exactly. can oh, trade yes. John yep. Wall, and now he's out for the season, and yep. you know, yeah. yeah. Same, same as I, the, yeah.
3: yeah. Use the disabled player exception framework as far as right. You can't apply for one unless the player got hurt while he was with you. So then, like, totally fair that you you do it that way. But yeah, I, ju- I just I, I don't know who this would. I don't see the downside unless I'm really missing something as far as somebody plays you know, roster and cap shenanigans, but I think it's, you know, more beneficial than it is, you know, uh, any kind of downside.
2: Yeah, and you could just have the same criteria with the has to be judged by a neutral physician. Do yep. be out until June fifteenth to yep. like same as the disabled player exception, which I think you're starting to say.
3: Yeah, or, or make it really restrictive. You, you you put the guy on IR. You know, you want to put you know, player X on IR because he sprained an ankle two weeks into the season. Guess what? Now player X can't come back, and that's on you. <laughs> like don't yeah. don't use your IR spot foolishly. Right? Just you know be be very cautious. Like you know, I just like I mean. I don't know. I always thought it was a little dumb that, Golden State had to carry Clay Thompson for two years, you know, and I'm not talking any kind of cap relief or anything like that because you deal with that, that's, right, that's right. on you, you gotta sort that, but just roster spot wise, it always seemed odd to me that we had to get to four players being out before, and I you know the two way spots have changed things a little bit with that, but that's still, you know, I don't know, it feels like we ought to be able to open up a job for another player if a guy truly is out for the season.
2: Alright Keith, this has been awesome, thanks again for joining me, nerding out, I I learned a lot from this i thought of uh, a lot hopefully uh, the even the people in the league who listen to this stuff uh, and it could Get some ideas. I'm sure we'll both get some feedback uh, as we did on the first pod as well. But it's just a great chance to have. I mean, this is probably the same discussion we would have like at Summer League or something, but right. we'll, just have, we'll just have it on the podcast.
3: Yep. So, so Absolutely. Kind of glad, yep.
2: Glad we had a chance to give people a look into that. And again, uh, keep up with Keith's work at Keith Smith NBA and uh, Sport Track is where uh, he does uh, the majority of his cap stuff. Thanks again, Keith.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.